Connors T, this is Erica jumping in quickly with a couple of quick announcements. We are running our very first retreat in collaboration with House of Legends and some other wonderful storytellers and musicians and creative people. This is going to be running from the 10th to the 13th of August 2023 in the wilds of High Hilled Alban, today known as Scotland. Uh, there are very few places still left available, so you can follow the link in the show notes to grab yourself a spot. We have a live show coming up in Whelan's Dublin on Sunday the 20th of August. You can find tickets on our website through the link in the show notes. And if you are listening to this in the future after that date, you can still follow that link to find out what shows are currently coming up. Hope to see you there. And now back to the regular podcast. see how are you? Welcome back to the Candlelit Tales podcast, where we tell stories from Irish mythology and folklore, and we chat about them. In this series of stories, we are telling, and in some cases, retelling, the classics of Irish myth. If you don't know much about these stories, you might be familiar with these ones. And if you're just starting out, this is probably a good place to start. The story of Oisín in Tirnanog, which Aaron is telling today, is an absolute classic. It's a story of exile, and it's a tale about how the homes that we know, they tend to change when we're not looking. It can be hard to go back home. This podcast is brought to you by our supporters at Patreon, and you can join them over at patreon.com forward slash candlelit tales, or you can make a one-time donation using PayPal. You can like, share, and above all, enjoy. And for now, Aaron, tell us a story. Once upon a time, the Fianna went out hunting. The greatest fighting faction in all Ireland used to spend their days out in the forests hunting wild game. During the summer months when it was bright, oh so bright towards the midsummer months, when they were warm enough to sleep under the stars, when they could forage for wild growing foods but Faster they could catch a wild roaming deer, their hounds baying it down and biting through the neck. But always the Fianna would run. They would run and chase. It was often their way. One of the tests to join the Fianna, after all, was to run through the forest without disturbing a single twig in the ground or a bird in the tree while getting chased and harried after from the rest of the Fianna following behind. There were many other tests too, of course, and they would train under the watchful eye of Fionn McCool around the Curra, the flatlands, now used for horse racing. The men and women of the Fianna, the Ban Fian and the heroes alike would train in such a way they would respect and admiration of their fellow comrades, their fellow brothers and sisters, and of Fionn McCool, of course. He had his favourites, Bran and Skjolan, the two great hounds that they were, always close to his side, Bran the brindled, and Skjolan slightly smaller, white with a red stripe from her nose to the tip of her tail. Dermot O'Divina, with the love spot, he was a favourite for sure. Quilta Macronan, the thin grey man of the Fianna, fastest by far, 
not as pretty as Dermid, but still as loyal as could be to Fionn, and his son, Oshin, the last remnant he had of the beautiful love he shared with the dear woman, the woman who had been a dear, his dear Saive. Although he had lost Saive to the other world, she had found a way for Oshin to find his way back to his father Fionn, and he was the apple of Fionn's eye. He loved them in every way, and when they were out hunting on this particular day, he was watching how graceful Oshin moved through the forest. With an effortless movement, he managed to make his way to the front of the foray that day, hunting down those wild game. And he was, in many ways, although Fionn was biased, one of the best of the Fianna. His singing voice was the sweetest. His account of the battles were often more on point, less exaggerated, with a better memory for marking it, and a better way to tell it, too. And sure enough, his ability to recount the old tales would have men weeping and women holding each other for the beauty of his tellings. And it was on this particular day that Fionn McCool was out hunting. He watched his son, Oshin, enter a glade and stop still, transfixed. When the rest of the Fianna gathered around him, the hounds whimpered lowly as they looked up at a beautiful woman sitting on top of a white horse. The white hair of the mane of the horse was almost as white as the blonde, beautiful, curling locks of hair that fell down to this woman's waist. She announced that her name was Neve Kinor, Neve of the golden hair, and it shone as bright as the sun was shining through the leaves, that white golden light spilling down on the leaves fallen from the trees that dappled green as it speckled through the branches. Those shadows cast across their faces as they were looking up, transfixed with this woman. Dermid had never seen anyone so beautiful. Quilta couldn't compare, and Fionn McCool was simply staring. And now he noticed Neve Kinor was staring directly at his son. She spoke next and told them that she had loved Oshin from afar. She had seen in through the pools of water in the other world his heroic deeds. She had listened to his singing his songs and although far away she had managed to stay just behind the veil where she could hear every word set sail from his lips to her ears. And this was how she fell deeply in love with Oshin, although she had never met him. When Oshin saw this beautiful woman announce her undying love for him, he was very excited, to say the least. Niamh then asked Oshin if he would like to come join her and live in Tirnanog. She described the place as eternally beautiful, always summer. No one experienced the cold, harsh winter months and the darkness that would 
make it feel so dark and isolated and dead. But always in Tirnanog, people were smiling. There was always games to be played, feasts to be had, songs to be sung. No one got sick in Tirnanog. No one grew old in Tirnanog. And no one ever experienced anything close to sadness. Well, Oisin thought if he was good at writing poetry in Ireland where it's bleak and miserable half of the year round, he would surely be far better if he went to the land of eternal youth and happiness. Well, Fionn, he left his left hand sit on his son's right shoulder as he looked down at him just barely into his eyes and said, Son, if you go to the other world, you might not come back. So promise me now that you will return to Ireland and you will find the Fianna and you'll return to me too because by going off with one of the Fae I don't know if I'll see you again. Oisin smiled, he said. Father, you're thinking too softly, too full of worry. Think more of how great it will be when I return because of course I will. I give you my word, and my word is my bond. One of the Fianna can never lie. Actions to match our deeds. And with all of the strength in every one of my limbs, I will make sure that my beautiful, pure heart that's beating full of love will bring me back to you. One day. Not sure when, though. With a smile and a twinkle in his eye, he leapt on top of the back of the horse with Neave Kinor. She smiled as they held each other close and she turned the horse away from the Fianna that day, left the glade and began to run towards the setting sun. Moshin and Niamh left Fionn and the Fianna in the forest that day, the forest where it was said that the Partholonians had their burial place underneath the trees, the trees in Tavle the plague burial place in Tala today, where those bodies of giants were mixing in with the roots of the trees to give them extra strength. And those giant trees overlooked the Fianna as Fionn saw his son leave that day, and he worried he would never see him again. But Oshin and Niamh, they ran over the island, this horse did not slow down. It jumped over rivers, through the forest, past the bog, kicking up the mud and water. As they came to the coast, the smell of fresh salt air hit their faces and they breathed it deep as they saw the shimmering sun shine down on the waves. But the horse did not slow down when it got to the sea. It raced across it, jumping over a wave and landing on the water as if it was a full field of barley. And it ran, leaping over waves, crashing, coming down. And as the winds died and slowed, the waves and the water undulated slowly up and down, never cresting fully to a wave. And the horse steadied its pace and kept cantering along an open, wide sea. 
With this setting sun, a haze came over the horizon. The near-darkening sky, twilight, the navy, stars were coming out. And this haze seemed to blow over and become a heavy mist. And as if this mist mingled with the shimmer on the water, the plain of honey, that direct path of sunlight on water that they were marching right on towards, they began to feel like they were somewhere else entirely. Oshin's senses spiked. He had never heard the wind like this before, so calm and soft, and yet he knew there was something out there. And as the mist was cleared by this soft breeze, he saw islands and islands and islands as far as his eyes could see. Three times fifty islands of the other world all splayed out in front of him. Mythical creatures, tall golden trees with apples on them. Swine that were racing with flaming back. Monsters that twisted in their skin Great pearly towers and silver crystal bridges So many things to see And then they came to the island of Tirnanog Oshin was shown all around this beautiful island And everywhere he went there was more people playing games Thatching the houses full of wings and feathers so that it could fly away. Or great full-bodied pieces of chess being pushed and heaved around a giant board. They even played the game of hurling with ashen sticks. And the clash of the ash was so brilliant on this island that Oshin fell into rhythm and rhyme with all the games all the time. And he fell too, head over heels in love with Niamh Kinor. They fell into each other's arms once they came off the horse. And any time he felt some form of worry or wonder about the island he had come from, she would hold him tight again and show him something mystical and mesmerizing. And Oshin's senses would be filled full only joy brimming from this cup overflowing, full of love. And yet, every now and again he would remember his promise, that sacred oath he had given his father to return to Ireland. And three times he said it to Niamh, and three times she told him to forget about going back, but always to look at something else on the island Till the third time when Oshin said, No, I must now go. And so, with sadness in her heart, Niamh gave him the horse to go back to Ireland, but she begged him to remain seated on the horse, not to get off, because the land itself had changed, and time moves differently in the other world. But Oshin didn't want to hear any of this. It had always been summer on Tirnanog, always full of feasts and merry-making, and he had lost track of time. 
He couldn't remember what a season full felt like because the sun had always remained high in the sky. And although the winter months back in Ireland are dark and cold and harder than most months to get through with death in the soil, nothing growing, it's the time to be comfortable too and warm each other with stories and songs and hot drinks and share the love to bring back the light in each other's eyes. And he missed that. He missed the sense of being happy after being sad, because it seemed so much sweeter. So he got back up onto the horse's back, and not listening to the warning of Neave Kinor. Instead, he rode across the waves on top of the white horse, kicking and pushing her faster than she'd rode before. He was eager to find his friends, the Fianna. He was eager to fulfill his promise to return to his father. But when he came to Ireland's shore, the scent of the wind blowing from the coast felt and some way smelt different. When he came, he saw castles crumbled, great grey roads, Small, hunched over shoulders, people bent, bowing down with broken backs and near-bent legs, sick and weak and sad-looking all. And a great tolling came over the land and midday, bells ringing, a display of another belief, a different story, a different time. He saw no track and no trace of the Fianna. He saw the forests, so much of the forest, no greenlands, pastures, farms. Where were the great, mighty oaks? Where were the forests filled with birch and willow? Where were all of the trees? And then he came and he saw a great road being built and three old men trying to move a great boulder off the road. They could not do it. And so Oisin leant down to pick it up in one hand because he was so strong and fierce and brilliant he could do it with one what three could not do together. He tossed the great boulder over his shoulder and in doing so the strap on the horse's back broke and Oisin fell to the ground. The horse reared on two legs and with the sound of Oisin hitting the ground the horse fled far away bucking and kicking and going back the way he'd come. The three men stared after the horse when it went but stared shockingly down at the man who had fallen from the horse. A warrior who was strong and capable and beautiful with golden hair was now grey and old. His sagging skin folded in around the eyes and thousands of wrinkles and skin that seemed sagging off of him and they were unsure what to do. Now some say Oisin turned to dust for the thousands of years he'd been away. Some say it was three hundred years that caught up in him in one way and still others say that he did not die that day but was brought to St. Patrick and he talked with Patrick and told him all he knew. And they wrote those stories down, or 
that's what Patrick told them to do, those monks and those scribes. And that's how we have the stories of the Fianna, and maybe that's true. But after many conversations between Oshin and Patrick, it was time for Oshin to say goodbye to his mortal life. Patrick tried to explain to him that he should convert to Christianity so he could praise God in a life after this living and spend all day in peace and harmony praising the Lord. Oshin smiled and said that doesn't sound like half the crack the Tirnanog sounds like. He had just come from the land of eternal youth and festivities. He pondered and wondered after Neif Kinor, for not finding his father and Athena was one heartbreak, and sure enough his heart was broken for all the days he had been back, to never see his friends again. But he had kept his word, and he had returned. But now he had no more strength, and no more breath to go back to Neif Kinor. And so, closing his eyes that day, he thought of her golden hair staring out of the sea as he left her on Tirnanog. He smiled his last smile and breathed his last breath as he thought for the love and longing he had for Neve in Tirnanog.